Take your Bible and turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. This is an interesting chapter. It really is. We're not gonna, I'm not going to preach to you on the, the first verses that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, but our Lord, yeah, let's just face it. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated our Lord Jesus Christ. They did. They wanted him dead. And the interesting thing about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in everyday normal walks of life, they were opposed one to another. But yet when it came to Christ and to the gospel that he set forth, the gospel of the kingdom, they both united, became one. And their desire to, to, the long and the short of it, they wanted him dead. They wanted him gone. And one of the first things that I noticed when I was studying this this week and was looking at it, in, in this chapter, our Lord shuts up and silences both of these groups. Leaves them without an answer. I mean, they cannot answer what this carpenter's son has. This is not a man who's a theologian. Though he is the eternal word of God. Though he did grow in wisdom and stature before God and man. This is the eternal word of God who had no degrees. You know, that the people were astonished that he spoke and had no degree. How, how does he know all these things that he knows? He knew it all because of who he was. Right? And so in this chapter, our Lord Jesus Christ, the first thing he does is he silences these Sadducees, pointing out, and listen, he calls it this, you do err concerning the Scriptures. Points out to them an error in the Scriptures. Let's just read it together. Look at verse 23, down through verse 32. It said, The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and ask him, saying, Master, and it's, it's so unique, both these groups, when they approach our Lord, they both refer to him as master, teacher, scholar. Master Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brothers, and the first, when he was married, a wife deceased and had no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise the second also, and the third under the seventh, and last of all, the woman died also. Well, that's an elaborate story to come up with, isn't it? Therefore, in the resurrection, now what did it say of the Sadducees, what we already read? They don't believe in a resurrection. They say there's no resurrection. And they look at our Lord and they foolishly say, when the resurrection comes, whose wife shall be of the seventh? They all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. And what Christ told, this, is, this just all popped into my head just as I thought about this. Remember when, when Mary was, Martha was standing before our Lord saying, If you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And he told her, he said, he'll rise again at the resurrection. She made the statement. She said, uh, she said don't you know your brothers are right, uh, live again? And she said, I know at the resurrection. He said to her, what? I am the resurrection and I am the life. 
You see that? They, they're, they're, they're completely clueless about what a resurrection is. We're talking about spiritual life. Not so much, which we do get the benefit and the blessing of our physical bodies. We'll be changed and be made like unto his glorious body. But the most amazing thing of all is what? We're raised from the dead spiritually, dead trespasses, and enemies in God in our minds by wicked work. And he raises us from the dead. You do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God, for in the resurrection they're neither marrying nor given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But is it touching the resurrection of the dead? Have you not read? That which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of who? The living. I got news for you at the time that our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking is Abraham and Isaac and David are dead and in the ground, physically. But where are they alive spiritually? Big deal of difference. Verse 32. Or verse 33. And when the multitudes heard this, they were at astonished at his doctrine. These Sadducees pose this stupid question. Our Lord deals with them according to the scriptures. And how do these people respond? That heard our Lord Jesus Christ, this, this carpenter's son, speak to these wise, supposed self-professed wise leaders, blind to the blind leaders of the blind. How do they respond? It says they were astonished. That word astonished means to be struck with amazement. So that multitude was struck with amazement. And because of these words, our Lord Jesus Christ, these Sadducees, he left them without an answer. because You notice they don't respond when he speaks to them in this fashion. So the Pharisees, they, they're, they're aware that uh, our Lord silenced the Sadducees. It probably took great, they probably kind of snickered under their breath. Well, yeah, he got them. So they decide they'll take their shot. Because notice what it says next. Verse 34, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Plot. Well, they couldn't get him, but what? We'll do it. We'll get him. We'll get him. And so it tells us that they were gathered together, and then they always did this. They always put one forward. I don't know how they, whether they drew straws or what, they said, you're going to be the guy that's going to add. They put one of their own forward, and it tells us this. It's showing us the difference. There's a contrast here. Jesus, the son of Mary, and, Mo, and, and, and uh, Joseph, the carpenter's son. This guy is what? He's a lawyer. Supposed to be smart. Okay? They put forth a lawyer. Ask him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? When I read this, the first thing that popped into my mind was this next statement. Their question concerning the law revealed the true nature of their hearts. 
For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Listen to this. Carnal mind. These guys are carnally minded men. The carnal mind is enmity. It's hatred against God. It is not subject to the law of God. And they're asked the question, which is the great commandment in the law of God? Carnal mind, not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be so then in the flesh cannot please God. You think about this question these guys ask. Which is the great commandment in the law of God? They didn't ask our Lord Jesus Christ what his thoughts were concerning the law, concerning the law's purpose. Nor did they ask him what God's law demands of all men and women without exception. They asked him to tell them, tell them what he thought was the most important law. Which one? Remember what our Lord had said in the Sermon on the Mount? Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments. And teach men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. James put it like this. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one. Just break one. Least are the greatest. Guilty of how many of them? They didn't tell me that in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. I saw, I think it's the state of Texas, they decided here the other day they're putting the Ten Commandments back in every public facility in the state of Texas, all the schools. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to pull that off with separation of church and state. You can't legislate morality. The Ten Commandments is not the issue. The issue is what? The men the women of this world. But here's the thing. When they asked this question of our Lord, which one's a great commandment in the law, he didn't hesitate. And he didn't have to think about it. He just immediately answered. What was his answer? Our Lord said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second's likened to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang the whole law. They're worried about which one's are great, and he said these two, all of it. The Jews were good about that, weren't they? And by Jews, I mean the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, trying to make something more important it was. So what does our Lord do? Our Lord turns the entire weight and light of the entire law, which they claimed and they thought they were keeping, directly on them. According to a question Christ asked one of their own on another occasion, he looked at Nicodemus. Remember, he, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, he said, Art thou a master? 
Remember, this guy said, Master, which one's the great commandment? He said, Art thou a master, ruler, teacher? Israel, you don't know these things? New birth was written about. That's the thing. Our Lord knew their heart. He knew their motive behind what they were doing. And see, these Pharisees, they considered themselves masters. Which means, the word master means one who teaches concerning the things of God. Yet they were ignorant of what God's law requires. And what God's law demands. What does it require? What does it demand? Perfection. It ain't about which one's the greatest. It demands that in thought, word, and deed, the man that will live has to keep it in its totality. And I tell you what, I, I guarantee you, I'm looking at a group of men and women that I love with all my heart, but there's not one of us here and one of us watching out there on that live stream, not one of us has kept this law. Not one. You can strive and try and dig your nails in and put your shoulder to the grindstone, you cannot keep it. It's impossible. You know, the disciples came to our Lord Jesus Christ one time and told him, they said, don't you know the Pharisees are offended by what you've said? I, the way Christ responded is it, enlightening. And we ought to keep this in mind. Every plant, don't you know that they're offended with every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, where do they all end up at? They end up in a ditch. Just like every other attack by the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes on our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, this, this attack, this was an attack. What it was, it was a, a willful attack on our Lord Jesus Christ. This attack, you know what it did? It ended up working out for the Lord's glory. For his people's happiness and comfort. And for the confusion of these enemies. Because I tell you, they are, we'll see when we get to the end of this thing. You talk about dazed and confused. These guys were confused. They had no answers. Now, these Pharisees were silent in light of our Lord's statement concerning the demands of God's law, that God's law places on every sinner. These blind leaders of the blind, these Pharisees, they thought and they taught that obedience to the law now listen to this, that obedience to the law was the only hope of salvation. One of the churches, Pam and I, were coming back from meeting the other night, and we passed a little local church, and they had out another one of those kind of sayings that kind of goes along with the one that I've seen and I just truly hate is this, the best sermon you can preach is which one? The one you live. Folk, Paul was a Pharisee. And on the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, when he wrote the book of Philippians, when he wrote concerning his thoughts of his own personal obedience in his unregenerate state, how did he define it? 
concerning the righteousness which is in the law. How do you view themselves? Blameless. That's the Holy Spirit. He said that, he, he, that, that, that is a divine truth about that man's state as a Pharisee. He thought that he had kept the law. These guys thought they had kept the law. We have to keep those things in mind. These Pharisees had the law. They thought they had kept the law. They were obeying the law. And by their obedience, by their righteousness to that law, they thought they thought they were righteous in the sight of both God and in the sight of men. Our Lord, and remember when he told that parable, the, the publican and the Pharisee, he, he put it under this quotation. He spake this parable unto certain who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Yet the reality of this is this. These guys, you know what they were? They were ignorant of the righteousness of God. And they were going about to establish their own. The reality was that they didn't and they couldn't see and they could not understand the purpose of the law. What did God give the law to Israel for? Show me from this book where God ever told him, if you will keep this law, I'll give you life based on it. You can't. Paul said it like this, that Pharisee, and he thanked his God through Christ Jesus his Lord. It was this way. Wherefore, the law was our, including me, it was our schoolmaster, our tutor to do what? To bring us to Christ. We might be justified by faith. God gave the law to drive his elect in national Israel out of themselves and out of their obedience to that law and make them willing in the day of his power to find righteousness in life in the only place righteousness can be found. Where? In Christ. Isaiah put it like this, Surely shall one say in the Lord have I righteousness and strength even to him, Christ, the one in whom I have righteousness and strength, even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him, who? The one in whom sinners get righteousness and strength. These guys are incensed against him. Shall be ashamed. While these Pharisees were gathered together, silenced by the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's the eternal word, Christ posed two questions to them. Two questions to them that are of infinite significance to you and I who see ourselves in the light of that law that he just spoke about under that great commandment. Don't we, don't, don't we, we have to, we're forced to confess that the good we want to do, we don't do. The evil we don't want to do, that's exactly what we find ourselves doing. He asked two questions. Here's, here they are. What think ye of Christ? That's the first one. Here's the second one. Whose son is he? Whose son is he? One of my favorite old authors, and just so you'll know, Ken, you'll text me later and you'll ask me who the old author is. It's uh, Robert Hawkers who said this. One of my favorite old authors, Robert Hawkers. He wrote this on this verse. He said, I, I never thought about this. I brought it up every once in a while, I'll actually come up with something and I'll tell it to Bill. And Bill said, I told it, like, say I stole it. I told it to Bill like I'd came up with it, but I got it. There's nothing new under the sun. I got it from Robert Hawker. 
But I told Bill this, it, 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 Jesus, it, he says this, Jesus doth not say to these men, what think ye of me? He asked them what? What think you of Christ? Whose son is he? You say, well, that doesn't really make that much difference. Oh, yeah, it makes a whole big deal of difference when we, when we talk about who these guys are. These, these Pharisees, are, they're the rulers of Israel. What have they had in their possession? They have the Old Testament. They have the law. They have the major prophets, the minor prophets. They have the Psalms. They have the Proverbs. And all of them, according to our Lord Jesus Christ, what do they testify of? What do they point through to? What was everybody looking for? What were these Pharisees even looking for? What was the, that king that when he heard about that star, what was he? He was trying to get rid of this, the king that was promised. And yet they, 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 they have everything that should have pointed them to the Messiah. And yet what were they looking for? They were looking for a Messiah of their own imagination, of their own creation. One, they had falsely assumed that what was going to come along, there was going to be a king come to, their, come to power like King David. One who would reestablish Israel as a great nation because they're in bondage now. Because these same men, a little bit later, Christ told them they're in bondage. They said, we've never been in bondage to any man. They were in bondage to Rome. They were under Roman rule. They couldn't even crucify Christ on their own. They had to get permission from Rome to do it. They thought they was going to establish Israel and he was going to set them free from human bondage. That's, what they, that's all they could think about. Let, let's get free from this, all these nations that have oppressed us for all this time. And if you'll recall, the Pharisees, these Pharisees, remember when John the Baptist was out there baptizing by the river? They sent out to John the Baptist, sent men out into our, to inquire of him if he was that Christ. That was exactly the way. Go find out if that's Christ. It says, and they which were sent of the Pharisees and asked, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then if thou be not that Christ? Nor Elias, Elijah, or the prophet. You know what this shows me? It shows me that they had enough light to know the historical facts about that Christ. Which means what the Christ, you know what it means? It means the anointed. Who's the anointed? The Messiah. That's what we're talking about. They had enough light to know that the Messiah was promised and he had come. But that Christ that was promised and was prophesied about, he stands in their presence. That Christ is standing right here in front of him. Remember, John the Baptist had told those came guys that came and asked him, are you that Christ? The next day he saw Christ coming and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. See, that's the problem. They had no sin in their own minds. They didn't need salvation from sin. They wanted deliverance from this present world. That's all they were consumed with. 
Actually, you know, they, 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 didn't, they didn't know him. They didn't acknowledge him. And they certainly didn't accept him. Actually, you know what? They hated him. Sought to kill him. And, and these questions Christ asked them and their ignorant response, because notice how they responded when he, when he posed the, his question to them. They say unto him, whose son is the Messiah? That Christ, son of David. Son of David. This response teaches us that unless a sinner by the power of the Holy Spirit under the preaching of God's gospel is given the faith of God's elect, which is a true understanding of Christ, both Christ's person and his work, their view of him will fall short of true, justifying, saving faith. Listen to this. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard, and listen, faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. I said it a few moments ago, I'll repeat it again. The seeing eye and the hearing ear, the Lord hath created to both of them. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned, been given an understanding, of the Father, what? That he will by no means clear. But isn't that a frightening thing to an unregenerate mind? Even to our minds, when the Lord was pleased to bring us under true conviction by his Holy Spirit, to see ourselves in light of that law and see what it requires of us, to learn that he, that he will not overlook the least of sin and the best of men. The Father will, will not allow anything into his presence that's not as holy and just and perfect as he himself hath learned the Father, what do they do? They do what our Lord said. Come to me, all ye labor heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come to me. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. And the only way we know him is the only true God is because we know this, and Jesus Christ, whom the true and living God sent to satisfy himself. And you see, that's why Paul, as well as all God's redeemed in every generation, are so determined and so dogmatic in the declaration of Christ's person and work. I mean it, and God's servants mean it, and you mean it when we say, we determine not to know anything among you, say, Jesus Christ, his person, and his work, what he actually accomplished. I want to make this as clear as I can this morning because this is, this is a frightening thing to me. You, know, you, you, can, you can know a lot of historical facts. You, you can about this person. Just like these Pharisees. And yet still be ignorant of the true Christ of God. He's standing right here. He's already performed miracles that confirm he's the Christ. His words confirm he's Christ. My stars, his father spoke from heaven and confirmed this is my beloved son. Remember what Christ said to the Jews that railed against him? He healed that man on the Sabbath day out at the pool of Bethesda. And he told him, here's, here's on, on Sabbath day. Been there 38 years. He told him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And a man that had been there for 38 years, all he gets up and he takes off. <laughs> And these guys, I can't believe he healed them on Sabbath day. 
Christ said this, And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. You have not his word abiding in you for whom he has sent him you believe not. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me, of what his person and his work, that he came to set his people free, that he came to reconcile sinners to God. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Folks, King David who was who these guys declared Christ would be his son, you know what he was looking for? And he believed in that Christ. I think King David saw Christ just like we see. I had never seen him physically, have you? I've just seen him in the Word. Now these be the last words of David, David the son of Jesse, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. King David didn't fit that perfectly. And he shall be as a light of the morning, and when the sun rises, even a morning without clouds. And the tender grass springing out of the earth be clear, shining after the rain, although my house be not so. See, there's the admission. I, I have not been just in my judgment. He had problems, did he not? The apple of God's eye still a sinner. Racked, even on his deathbed. But he says this, although my house be not so. Yet, listen to it, yet he hath made... Not, not I've made with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure. This is what the everlasting covenant. This is all my salvation. This is all my This is all my desire. Even though I don't see it come to fruition down here, this was his hope. He said in another psalm, Psalm 85, Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Where? In Christ. Righteousness and peace kissed each other. One place, one time in Christ. And folks, this is the thing. David's hope was in the God who made the first promise. Concerning free grace and mercy to every object of his love, those who see themselves and know themselves for what they are, sinners. And the same's true of, of, of Abraham, when, when, who these Pharisees, when our Lord was speaking to them, and he told them, had, had told them that, uh, you know, that they obeyed not Abraham, they turned around uh, and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, You'd do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Here's a good question. What were the works of Abraham? What were the works of Abraham? I'll tell you this, much. I know this for a fact. It certainly wasn't outward obedience to a law. Because he didn't have the Ten Commandments or the 635 ceremonial commandments. 
Let the word of God tell us what the works of Abraham were, as well as the promise that every one of God's redeemed since the fall have by true God-given faith. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. What says the scripture? See, that's what it always comes back to. What does the word of God say? Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. What? That which he believed. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not. Here's the works of Abraham. But believeth on him that justifieth thee ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Not his personal faith, the object of his faith. The Lord our righteousness. Even as David, Abraham, now whose son is the Christ going to be? Who's going to be David? Here's David. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. See, these Pharisees wrongly assumed, as every unregenerate does, that they were free, for sin, free from sin, that they were producing a righteousness by their obedience, and they were waiting to be delivered into an earthly kingdom which was never the promise and it was never the purpose of the living God. Our Lord Jesus Christ stood before a leader that just told him, don't you know I've got the power and authority to give you life or to give you death? And he's demanding of our Lord Jesus Christ, are you a king? Are you the king of the Jews? They've delivered you to me. They say they delivered you to me because they have say you have declared yourself to be the king of the Jews. And our Lord Jesus Christ answered him, and he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. It's not down here. Pilate said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest I'm a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth, everyone that is of the truth. They hear my voice. Every one of them. Just like Pontius Pilate, these Pharisees that sought to entrap our Lord, they couldn't hear his voice. And the reason they couldn't hear his voice was that they were not of the truth. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth, what does it do? It shall set you free. Listen to me, every person who's either ignorant of or not submitted to the righteousness of God is the only hope and cause of salvation will always be found going about to establish a righteousness of their own while all those born of God have been made the very righteousness of God in him 
evidenced by their humble submission to Christ alone is the Lord their righteousness. Now notice how Christ completely shuts them up leaving them without excuse before the law and justice of God. Look at verse 43 through 46, and I'll quit. He said unto them, they, they, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They said, he's the son of David. He said unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies my footstool. If David then call him Lord, how's he a son? And notice, notice what it said. <laughs> and no man was able to answer him a word, neither does any man from that day forth ask him any further question. <laughs> we, can't, we can't deal with this. I, I wrote this into my notes this morning. I went back, I typed this in. They were looking in the wrong place. And they were looking for the wrong thing. All the while, Christ, who is our life, was totally hidden from their view. I tell you, oh, what a debt. I, I think about, oh, what a debt. We owe to God's sovereign grace and mercy for giving us life everlasting in his dear son. Let me read this passage to you. The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it's not given. I, when I read that, I think, what, why me? Huh? For whosoever hath, I think it really means whoever thinks they've got. To him shall be given and he shall have more of it. No, I got that back. Whosoever hath to him shall be given, have been given the mystery, know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. To him shall be given more abundance, but whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away that which that's that's the one I meant, which thinks he hath. They thought they had life. They're gonna be the ones that at the judgment are crying, Lord, Lord, have we not, have we not, have we not? Therefore unto them in parables because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not neither do they understand and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which saith by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive but this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them but Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Let me ask you this question in closing this morning. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Whose son is he? The Apostle John recorded the hope of every one of God's redeemed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
and that believing you might have life through his name. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord our righteousness, shall be saved. May the Lord bless his word, bless our understanding, and dismiss us from this place with his love and carry us to our appointed destinations this week. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. Buddy, if you would, lead us in a closing prayer, please. Father, we thank you now for the blessing of this day. Thank you for your name, your grace, your mercy. Father, thank you for our church family, our congregation. Father, we thank you for this blessing.